God, thank you so much for, for Dave. God, thank you for what you've been doing through him up and down the country over this past year, God, as he's brought your word. And I thank you so much, God, that as he speaks, he brings not only the word, but he brings an anointing and gifting um, that is unique and miraculous. And so we pray, would you touch and soften each of our hearts, God, so that as Dave speaks, um, we would each receive um, wisdom and blessing and joy from you through the words he shares. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Thank you, Paul. So lovely to be here. Uh, four months, I think, since I've been on a, a, a Sunday. But I have been to uh, various little bits and bobs, prayer meetings, friendship meetings, various things that are going on. So I haven't, but I haven't been on a Sunday, I think, for about four months. And it, it's just great to see how God's blessing you and how wonderful it is. Uh, uh, in fact, you're all looking great, you know. You've lost a lot of weight, some of you. <laughs> Is, is this because James has cut the biscuits out after the cups of tea? No? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we just love you and we praise you for what you're doing in this church and how you're taking it from glory to glory. And Lord, increase it, uh, encourage the leaders, and raise up a people that will transform this area in Jesus' name. Amen. The leaders have asked me to, um, during this talk, to pray for people, particularly for healing, and also have a little bit of a link to um, Christmas as well. It might well be that there are people who've come today who are worn out, or they're damaged, or they're hurting, and you've just done this course on uh, wholeness and restoration, and it might well be that you need God to just move on your life. At the end of this uh, talk, it will be particularly designed for God to visit your life with power. Amen? Amen. How many people would like God to really touch them this morning by his grace and power? Amen. So in one sense, secondary to what I've got to say, that's what we want to see happen um, it might well be there are people here who are affected by things that are controlling them, by things that are bigger than them. Well, God is here this morning to set you free from that and start to launch you because he has a plan and a purpose to use you. Um, there may well be people who uh, feel there's a curse on them. And during this service... We want to see that broken so that you don't feel there's a curse on you, but the favor of God is on you. One of the things that blessed me this morning before I even walked through the door, I was, I was welcomed by a man. And I said, what's your name? He said, favor. <laughs> Praise God. What a name. Hallelujah. Just turn to somebody and say, God is going to pour favor on you this morning. Hallelujah. What God particularly said to me uh, while I was preparing, he said, this is how I want to move in the service. 
and uh, there are going to be people that this will be very appropriate for. So I'll be particularly majoring on this. And there are people, well, I know, there's, I know that the Lord spoke very clear to me. There's people in this church who've been faithful, who love the Lord, they're serving the Lord, they're seeing God move. Um, but um, the Lord's saying to me, you've got to pray for them for fresh joy. Okay, so uh, whatever we do, I want to particularly pray for people with for fresh joy. Um, it's it's Christmas. Uh, what, so what we'll do is we'll we'll I'll do this talk. Then we will pray for healing on people's lives and for us to. Uh, have God to touch our hearts this morning. What I'm going to do is I wanted to, I was thinking about Christmas and um, and there's many songs that I, 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 I like and one song that I thought was appropriate for this morning, so we'll finish with this song, I'll finish the talk with this song but I will use it as a platform for the power of God to touch your life. It might be for the first time, but it might be a refreshment of his grace upon your life. And this was the, um, the, the uh, carol that came to mind. It's a funny carol because the first verse has no relation whatsoever to the Christmas story. But it's a very famous carol. And it's an absolutely fantastic carol. We sing the, uh, the first and last verse at the end, and then we're going to start praying for people. Uh, and it goes like this. In the bleak winter, frosty winds made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, Snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter, long, long ago. Now, whenever I sang, sang that carol or sing it now, I think it's, it's the Middle East. You know, they're freezing at the moment. You know what the temperatures are? 17 degrees. So whoever wrote this song... His picture of the nativity is quite different. Uh, it's almost, the landscape is almost British, isn't it? In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow has fallen, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter long, long ago. Now, as I read that, and you will come to the last verse, it's quite an amazing song. But, you know, it might well be, in fact, there are people who are going through a bleak mid-winter in their lives. They've been cut down by frosty winds. And on top of stuff going on, Freezing their joy, freezing their hope, freezing their awareness of God, 
freezing their experiences of God. And snow has fallen, snow on snow. And you know, it might well be it's not just been one thing after the other. And it's caused a hot, vibrant joy and passion for God to go colder. That might be you. And, what, and the impact of that is that not only has it frozen you, but it's had an effect on your heart. The earth, the soil of your heart has become like iron. It says, earth stood hard as iron. You know, if you get hit so many times, I remember when I was a kid, my mum and dad used to say, you just got to toughen up. And you toughen up so much, you become like iron. You stop feeling. The compassion starts to wane. And there it says there's a, a water like a stony heart. You know, even though you've had an experience of God, if you go through some stuff in your life, your heart, before you know it, isn't as tender as it used to be, isn't as receptive as it used to be, isn't as teachable as it used to be. It started to become like stone. If that's you, we're going to pray at the end of this service and the Lord is going to melt the snow. He's going to soften the iron. He's going to make your heart tender again. And you wonder, you've been talking about a whole series on transformation. But when you're in this condition, no amount of therapy or counseling or discipleship can melt this, this iron and soften this heart. The answer is... The answer, what melts your heart? What removes the iron? What changes the stone? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's when love comes down from heaven. You see, I was like that. I was like that. But love came down from heaven. And today, God is going to bring love down from heaven and touch your heart and your life is going to be changed before you walk through that door. Amen. Um, I remember um, when I was 15, I, had, I was in a terrible state. I'd lived a life by the time I was 17. I'd... I'd if I'd have died, I'd have lived a life up to about 70. And I remember there were Christians trying to reach out to me. And they'd take me and call at my house, come with us. We go and um, in those days, you know, when you're 17, you never want to go to bed. So Staying up all night wouldn't even, I wouldn't even blink. And goodness knows where I used to go. But I remember this flashback. It was, we, we were running for the last bus uh, from Chillwall Five Ways. 
And these two guys I was with embarrassed the daylights out of me because they were Christians. And they started to sing this song, When heaven comes down and glory fills my soul, when at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day, when heaven came down and glory filled my soul. I was mortified. And actually, it was too, but the, the, the saving thing was, it was nearly one o'clock in the morning. There was no one on the roads, but they were belting this out. I was absolutely mortified. But I want to tell you, this is the answer. This is what changes the psyche and the human heart. When heaven comes down and glory fills your soul. Because when your consciousness is completely swallowed up with the presence of God coming on you. Amen. And of course, you build on that. You walk in that. You're mentored into that. But we all need those seasons and those moments, not just a one-off, when we're doing all what we should be doing, but we come into an encounter where God comes down from heaven and glory fills our soul. just want to read this scripture to you. Ephesians 2, 6 to 1 to 6. It's a funny verse because it has two parts to it and the two parts are almost opposite to each other let's read it Ephesians 2 1 to 6 you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, and among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts or obsessions of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature were by nature children of wrath, just as others. This is a description of everybody. It's not just some. Everybody, human nature. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, it's a crazy passage, that, because it's describing human nature. It's not how 
our society describes human nature. It says we're dead. We're not just sick. We're not just ill. We're dead. Now, if you're a doctor and someone says, come and see me, doctor, I'm sick, you can give them something that might make them better. You can prescribe things. But when someone's dead, no amount of treatment can sort it out except a miracle. And that is the condition of human nature. So it, when you're dealing with people who don't know Jesus, it's no use saying, do this, do that, do the other. It's like saying to a dead person, can you just get up, up and try and make your way to that door? Dead. Controlled. Humanity is controlled, it says. In fact, it goes, it gets worse. The description's terrible. Controlled. Once walked according to the course of this world, controlled by a spirit, spirit of disobedience. So what goes on and you see, people think they're free, but they're not. We're controlled by a spirit, Humanity is controlled by a spirit. If you study philosophy, they'll often come out with this phrase, the spirit of the age. Um, obsessions, they're driven by, humanity is driven by obsessions. Um, and to top it all, in case you think he's being a bit negative... He summarizes humanity as children of wrath. Now, you might think, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly a great person, but I'm not a child of wrath. The strange thing is the next section, because it's almost the opposite. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, it says, I've made you alive. I'm going to raise you up. And if you go on further in that passage, I'm going to position you. I'm going to enrich you. You are my workmanship. So you've got these two polarized pictures of people's condition. Right in the middle of the two bits is the secret of transformation. Because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Amen. That's how God changes people. You see, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter how defiled you've been, how broken your situation has been, how you're affected or controlled or obsessed by this, that, or the other. You know, the love of God is greater than your sin. 
The love of God is greater than your nature. The love of God is greater than you. And it's the love of God that transforms humanity from being like that to being a child of God and a prince with power. Amen. This is the key. This is the main key. And you see, the love of God, I'll just tell, I've only got time to tell three stories, okay? The love of God comes down from heaven. This is how it works. The love of God touches us when we're in a mess. The love of God makes us want to change. The love of God breaks dark forces over us. And the love of God changes us to be completely different people. So if God, if you can have an encounter with the love of God and then build your discipleship on that platform, you will be revolutionized into a completely different person, empowered, enriched, um, and to become everything God promised you to be. Amen. Okay, let's just think about a few. It's a love that touches us when we're in a mess. Now, I was thinking of the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. Now, it, it, there weren't any Palestinians in, in the Bible. There were Samaritans. There's always been a toxic mix in the Middle East. There was Jews and there was Samaritans. And they hated each other. One of the reasons was, if you look at the Hasmonean history behind it, about 150 years before, I think it was the king in Samaria absolutely, or one or the other, massacred the others. So they hated each other. It's not too dissimilar today. And so he, Jesus tells this story about this Samaritan, uh, uh, this Jew who's heading to Samaria, enemy territory. And on the way he gets uh, attacked. He's robbed. The knives, perhaps, and multiple knifing. He's wounded. He's bleeding. He's lying there dying. And he's thinking, unless someone turns up soon, I'm going to be gone. He can feel the strength going out of him. And he's thinking, and then all of a sudden, he sees his pastor. And his pastor looks at him, and he looks at his pastor, and he thinks, oh, Praise God. It's me, pastor. And his pastor's thinking, this is a trap. So he walks on by. He's sitting there, and then he sees his mate who's in the choir with him. He thinks, oh, well, my friend will... And he's thinking, I've got to get to the prayer meeting. And then he sees the equivalent 
of a Palestinian. He thinks, oh, Grace, at least it'll be quick. At least he'll finish me off. And then this Samaritan comes and he pours oil and wine into his open wounds, into his breathless body, and he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to a five-star hotel, and he says, I'm going to pay all the medical bills, all the bills, and when I come back in a few weeks' time, I want to see an improvement. I want to tell you there are people perhaps in this room, certainly people out there, that you're going to try and reach. And their life has been attacked. It may well be there are people here who've been attacked. You've been unfairly spoken of. You've been stabbed in the back. You've been betrayed. betrayed. You've been misrepresented. Perhaps you've been physically or mentally abused and you're lying there with your pain and you know if this carries on I can't go on much longer well Jesus is here today to pour in the oil of the Holy Spirit and the, joy, and the wine of the joy of the Lord into your, those open wounds and heal you today Amen if you're going through things, just imagine if when the, when the Samaritan came up, he said, oh, no, nah, let me just go. Let me just go. And then he carries him. And God wants to just pour in healing. And then he wants to carry you for a while. Isn't it? I love it when God decides to carry me for a while. Don't you? Lord, I've had a, t- a nightmare of a, a week, a month, a year, whatever. Lord, will you just carry me for a while? And then let's have a look at this one. You see, God touches us when we're in our mess, when we're in our pain, when we're in our brokenness, when we're in our need, when our heart cries out in despair. It's a love that makes us want to change. Think of the prodigal son. Two guys, he's sitting there, two sons. And he's getting fed up. He's getting bored on the the farm. He's heard of the big city and all the opportunities for a young emerging guy. And he says to his dad, I know that you've got plans for me in the future, but I want the money now. I want the money now. Amazingly, his dad goes to the bank, gets the money out and gives him the money. And he heads off to the big city where all the bright lights are and all the action's going on. And he's got hundreds of friends. He notices, though, that as he spends the money... And as the money goes down, so does his friends. It seems amazing that the money, and there's a reciprocal between as the money's going down, he's got less friends. Until the money runs out. And guess what? 
he's hardly got any friends. Then there's an economic depression where all his friends have hardly got any money. So he ends up with no friends for a Jew working in a pig farm. I can tell you now, Jews don't like working in pig farms. And he's feeding the pigs. Things are getting so desperate, he hasn't got any food, so he starts to eat pig food. So he's walking around in pig mud, and he's, living, and he's feeding on pig food. And then he starts to think, this isn't much of a life. And then he starts to think, I don't want to live with the pigs anymore. You know what? I'm going to try and get back to my father. He remembered how much his father cared about him and loved him and listened to him and helped him and had memories, flashbacks. And he thought, I don't want to live with the pigs anymore. You see, we make choices in our lives and sometimes they're not the right choices. And the worst thing you can do if you dig a hole is to dig it deeper. And when the love of God starts to fall on you from heaven, the first thing that happens when you're covered in pig mud and you're feeding on pig food, and perhaps you're not only, you're not only covered in pig mud, but you've, you've developed... You started to look like the pigs that you're looking after. This is what happens. You know, there's some people that might be here today where you once knew Jesus and you once had a close relationship with him, but really you just sort of thought, well, let's try this and let's try that. And, and you're just covered in pig mud. Pig, pig mud. And you've got an appetite, the same appetite as pigs. Perhaps you turned into a pig. I can tell you now by first-hand account of how you can become animalistic. Well, you know, this love that comes down from heaven makes you want to say, I don't want to be like a pig anymore. I want you to wash this pig mud off me. I want you, Lord, to just come and take away the obsessions and appetites that pigs like. I want you to set me free. The wonderful thing about this story is that when he decided, you see, the love of God that made, you see, you might be in a position, Lord, I'm in a mess. I've known people who said to me, I'm not coming to church this week. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I used to say to them, 
What do you mean you're not coming to church because you don't feel good enough? That's like me saying I've got a broken leg and I'm going to the hospital when it gets better. I want to tell you, God wants you to come to him in your pig mud. He wants you to come into to come to him when you're ashamed of what you look like and how you behave. This is the love of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you see, when you're saved and God takes you, he who has been forgiven much loves much. This is why you've got half-hearted Christians, because they're still trying to make it in the, in the pigsty. But when your heart changes, the love of God makes you want to be different, want to change. And of course, the moment he started to make moves to God, it says, the father saw him before he saw the father. You know, you might be crying out to God and say, what am I going to do with this situation? I want to tell you, God saw you before you saw him. This is the love of God. You saw me before I saw you. And it says he embraced him. He said, well, I'm not even worthy to be called a Christian. I'll just help out in the church. He said, no, you won't. No, you won't. But I'll tell you what. I'm not going to have you humiliated in front of everybody. I'm going to put you in the shower and wash you again. God, you see this, the love of God wants to put you in the shower of the love of God where it just washes all the pig mud off you. All the stuff that's attached itself to your life, past life. And then he, he said, he came out clean. He said, oh, great, I'm ready to go. No, 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 you're not going there yet. I'm going to dress you like a prince. This is the love of God. It's not only to wash you clean today, but some of you is going to put fresh clothes on you. He's going to dress you like a prince. Amen. Some of you really love the Lord, your heart's right. But God, today, God wants to dress you like a prince. Royal robes. I don't deserve. Kings and priests unto God. Amen. And he got, gets dressed up. He says, right, I'm ready. No, you're not. No, you're not. What do you mean? I've got the nice dress. I'm washed clean. I'm ready. To... No, you're not. I'm not going to let all your, the crowd in there. You're not ready yet. I've got a ring I'm going to put on your finger. And it represents my authority. When you speak, I will speak. When you pray, I will pray. Amen. And there are people in this church, God wants to put a ring on your finger. 
You love the Lord. He's washed your heart. He's put thick garments over you, but really there's a ring to go on your finger. And you're going to heal the sick. Some of you will raise the dead. You were all meant to see signs and wonders. And see atmospheres switched round by your very presence. This is the love of God. I'm just so delighted to see Paul and his team, Paul and James and their team. Wow, how wonderful they're doing. What a great job. Maybe I need to go missing for six months. <laughs> Won't get in the building then, will I? Last story. It's love that breaks dark forces over us. When the love of God comes down from heaven, it breaks dark forces over us. You know, think of Legion. They get out of the boat. They meet this guy who's he's roaring at them. He's violent. He's aggressive. The community is so worried about him that he'll not only kill himself, but he'll kill them. So they wrap him round in chains. And he's all chained up. A very presence of Jesus starts these demons to start to scream. Go away from me, Jesus. Go away. Note how Jesus does deliverance. He doesn't have a discussion with Legion. He doesn't counsel demons he just says be quiet a Liverpudlian version would be something like shut up be quiet I'm not talking to you I'm not counselling you I'm not educating you be quiet and then he starts to say, well, I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm the other, and I'm legion. And then he realizes, not, these demons realize he's not getting anywhere. They scream out, let me go into the pigs. Interesting analogy Jesus, this is his counseling session. Go. The demons come off the mat. Go on to the pigs. The pigs go into a hysteria and do what he would have done if he hadn't have been chained up. They committed suicide. Then they broke, took the chains off him and he was clean and in his right mind. There may well be people, you know, 
the strongholds got a hold of them. I was in the chemist yesterday and I was noticing Mondays to Fridays you can get um, methadone to come off heroin. And I thought, isn't it sad that we can't just see people completely set free from these things? Not against the methadone, it's a method, I suppose. But God wants to set us free from... From, it might not be an addiction like that, but it might be that you've been exposed to pornography and it, it, you, you're constantly affected by it. I'm going to pray today for that to come off you. It could well be that you've got, uh, there's things in your lifestyle that you're just a compulsive behavior disorder. God is here to set us free. Amen. Isn't the gospel, this is the love of God. He didn't wait for you to get out of your mess. He didn't wait for you to heal yourself. He didn't wait for you to be free. He saw you before you saw him. This is why I love Jesus. This is why, even though I don't get paid for it, I carry on doing what I'm doing. This is why when I gave my life to him, I gave my life to him. It didn't stop at 65. I love him. I love him because he first saw me. I love him because he washed the pig muck off me. I love him because he set me free from things that were bigger than me. I loved him when my heart was broken because he loved me when I... And when God touches you with his love, you walk in it. You position yourself to never go away from the Father's table again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. And I think what we'll do is we're going to sing this song and then I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. For those who just want... There are going to be people here who may need, say, God, I want to open my heart to you and you to come and wash away my sin, come into my life. But there will be people here who, I would say predominantly most people here, uh, you'll say, God, I want you to touch my heart again. And that's part that's been frozen, the joy that's been frozen, the hopes and dreams that have been frozen. Will you melt? the ice away from my relationship with you? Will you make my heart tender again so it's not like iron? Bring back the compassion. Will you, Lord, just come and uh, not only do that, but just uh, make me tender? So we pray that prayer, and then we're going to start praying for the sick. And then I particularly want to pray for people for fresh joy Okay, now behind that prayer, there will be healing of the sick.
okay? So, but before we do, we'll sing this song. I want us to sing it as a, a prayer, this carol, in the bleak midwinter, just the first and last verses, okay? So let's stand, and then we're going to use this as a means to pray.